this is this is I found this on my next door feed. Um and it's this woman who is asking about side jobs. My family my family and I have fallen upon hard times and so my husband and I are looking for some side jobs. One to help us stay afloat and and two in hopes that we can give our kids some kind of Christmas. Oh, Jesus. I'm a mom and can babysit. I have professional home and office cleaning experience. I also have about three years of experience in companion care, personal care aid. And then her husband has experience in construction, plumbing, landscaping. And then it ends with, we are humble people who will consider pretty much any job you might have to help us make some extra money. We do not mind hard work and value earning our own money. That's just like, I don't know, man. It's so sad. Yeah, I don't, it doesn't, it doesn't, it, on, the, on the one hand, it would be nice if, like, everyone got their, their wages through just, like, helping each other out at a local level kind of thing, but at the same time, but, like, that's obviously not what's going on here, it's just, like, wages, stagnant, take on second, the, the, the way we got here today, the, our Lyft driver, that was her second job, Yeah, because her kid's, like, take all of her money she literally told, she she asked us if we had kids and we said no and she said good don't they're a scam she's like they're so expensive and i was like lady you are singing the song of my people absolutely yes um yeah and she, no, uh, no hate to people out there who do have kids that's great yeah. but or or yeah i, I mean th- yeah the gig economy it's a yeah, it's a very real thing right now hard. it's very um um uh, it's almost ubiquitous yeah. um you know to the point where a lot of people will have different jobs. You know, if I if I were to lose my job right now, my steady like you know engineering job, like I'd probably do some type of like part time thing. Maybe sure. you know I don't have a car, so I wouldn't be able to do lift. But maybe if I got like an electric bike, I'd like do deliveries or something like can, that. For and tips. you can also do like there's tons of stuff online that you can do. I mean, yeah. I did online tutoring when I was first became uh, unemployed. Yeah. A couple of years ago, I did a lot of online tutoring, which paid shit, but, you know, it was a way I could pick up at least like 400 bucks a month, yeah. you know, if yeah, that. All, yeah, all, all my stuff was freelance up until last August. Yeah. It was like a year and a half was all freelance. Stuff. And I think the next door post also kind of indicates just how difficult it is even to find gig work, like yeah. let alone a 40 hour a mm. week benefit job. Those are, those are very difficult to find, but even finding side gigs is difficult i mean yeah he's like i want to like hire this couple to go do some stuff at our place but like we don't have enough cash to like yeah hire labor you know yeah it'd be great if we could do that well you know who does have some money who's that disgraced uh, uh a loser republican candidate for mayor tom real 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 real, real. <laughs> uh he got uh i was uh, i I rot my brain with uh, all the Facebook groups uh, in Troy and uh, oh, Tro- nice. Troy accountability is uh, reporting. This is actually from Jeremy Belschwinder, a, like weirdo cop lover, but he, uh, the guy who just takes pictures of places and then, yeah, he takes like the pornographic pictures of cops, like it, like doing what? justice. Well, he, it's, oh, it's like he does re- cop Yeah. He does a lot of copaganda stuff. And, uh, uh, he, and he, he acquired an image of, uh, um, Real, Real, and Madden leaving the offices together, and apparently Real's father's construction company just won a, a bid to redo Campbell Avenue. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, you know, like, I mean, it's like five bids. Uh, the, the photo is of all the bid amounts and Real is like 90K cheaper than than every everyone else, which is like, it's it's a law that you have to take the lowest bid. But uh, uh, Rodney Wiltshire was in the comments yelling about how they, they probably told told Real, Real what the uh, bids were so he could bid under. Oh, like some bid rigging? Yeah, so they they think that it's 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 bid rigging, but it's really just like old old fashioned like scam, really. I think is what it is. Where you just like you know the the contractor just lowballs it, and then when they get the contract, they're like, ah, actually, I was off by like sixty thousand dollars. You know? Yeah. Uh, are they binding the uh, the quotes, or do they just be? Or can they charge for whatever the outlay of the work and services? No, I, I think yeah, there's uh, there's overages all the time. Huh. Yeah, I think they I think they'll they'll just be able to do that. Interesting. Yeah, uh, th- that that's wild. So I guess the the idea being that there is a potential quid pro quo for him staying in the race despite being pressured by uh you know boss baby McLaughlin sex pest. Yeah, I mean, you have to ask yourself, is it more likely that um, the sort of Republican elite, as far as local politics in this area yeah. goes, uh, would also have family members who are, you know, running running hey. firms that get like state projects? So is it more likely that that's just kind of a natural connection or that there is ba- like a like bid rigging? Yeah, yeah and it, it was somehow Madden's like collusion with re- like real to keep him in the race so that he would split the vote and. Madden would win again and then I yeah know. it's just like so fucked up that the 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 system is so fucked up that the normal cost of or the norm normal operation is just that petty business tyrants are also run to be petty elected tyrants and there, there's only like probably a handful of families in the capital region that just trade off on being in power and it's just like that all the way up. Yeah, I don't know like any of the actual uh, owners of any of the capital that's like being poured into Troy right now. You know, like is it? There's a uh, podcast that is I forget what the name of it is. I have to look this up. But um, it was about auditing the billionaires, and it's a podcast that tries to focus on most of the billionaires that nobody knows because there's only like two thousand four hundred billionaires in the world, so they're like knowable oh you mean you mean that everyone can't be a billionaire through hard work (laughs) yeah but but it was you know just sort of and they a lot of them are involved in like politics and and funding various things and you know shaping the the world in a um uh conscious effort uh but they just keep their names out of the press very effectively like they don't you know um and i i forget the name of it but i started listening to it. it's a little dry because it's basically like this guy is a gypsum you know, uh, mine owner. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like the world's greatest, you know, a capital ownership of gypsum mines, which is in a dumb way to be a billionaire, but drywalls everywhere. <laughs> All right, <laughs> if you can yeah. take a little bit off of the, 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 you know, top of, uh, there's like, like, like 0.1 cent of every piece of drywall in the United States. You're like, you'll be a billionaire. Yeah. Yeah. So speaking of mining interests making you powerful and rich. Yeah. How about uh how about Bolivia? Holy shit, man. Yeah. So democracy really winning there. Yeah. You know, it's gonna have a I, I do think though, I, I 
as much as it sucks that there's like obviously a misinformation campaign on Twitter, mm-hmm. uh, I think David, you posted something super short on cybergology, yeah, about these bot accounts that mm-hmm. are like copy pasting the exact same things about this not being a coup in Bolivia. Accounts that have existed for a few days. There was one that used to tweet. Um, yeah, I think you showed me only, this one. Yeah, yeah, only Japanese like anime. It was a Japanese anime account. So it was and trying then, to like get the 4chan meme like cred. No, 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 I, no. I, it was just a. It was just like an art, like a fan art. Okay. A, a, a anime fan Twitter account that then like the day after the coup suddenly became an expert on Bolivian politics. <laughs> Which is, you know, like, that is totally possible. It's yeah, totally it's possible. That somebody you, was Bolivian. Yeah, Bol- Bolivians can like suspicious. anime, too. Yeah. Yes, they absolutely can. Yeah. I don't mean to suggest otherwise. Uh, but it but was, it's weird. It's yeah. quite suspicious. There, there was uh, a tweet that I saw being thrown around that, that was like, I, I found the, uh, the Bolivian equivalent of uh, Castro uh, took away my family's slaves. And yeah. it, it was somebody complaining about the, uh, the mineral rights that uh, Evo Morales uh, had, like, taken away from private landowners yeah the and nationalizing was, of yeah yeah and someone was like somebody owns a lithium mine and then his <laughs> response was no actually cobalt but like you know like <laughs> it's none of your business or something stop stop flattening mining interest identities <laughs> cobalt mining culture is completely different from lithium mining culture yeah uh, so i just read today that actually bolivia has three quarters of the world's supply of lithium. So it's pretty shocking that this didn't happen much earlier. Like as soon as he started nationalizing public resources, because that's, you know, has the, has the potential to be some of the most valuable property on the entire planet. Yeah. If it has that much of the world's supply of lithium. So a friend of the pod, uh, Justin Rosniak, uh, do not eat has been, you know, like since, Bolivia popped off uh, and the coup took place. He's been uh, railing on all the the municipal governments that keep putting out uh, uh, electric buses with uh, batteries in them. He's like, why do we keep using these inefficient battery buses when you could just run lines? It was just electric, just electric buses. They're connected to lines and you don't need to keep using these, uh, these gigantic lithium battery mm-hmm. things yeah, it's, it's a good point you know it's like i like i get the thing about you know the lines some, uh, being a problem but you know we you know well, you know it's also a problem is a a coup in bolivia yeah i'll take some some electrical lines <laughs> yeah i feel guilty because you know like i advocate for electric vehicles and there's a very uh direct you know link to uh lithium uh you know extraction and the ability to have electric vehicles as we understand them um, and I also fly quads and I own like a bunch of lithium polymer batteries. Yeah. I mean, we all do, and, right? You know, like yeah. all of our, like it, you imagine every single household has. I own dozens. My vape is, <laughs> yeah, your, my vape yeah, is vapes, a lithium. Like, yeah, everything oh, yeah. has yeah. these like lithium batteries in it. Yeah. And, and uh, they're incredible. They're incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, like there's still a lot of like science to be done to like get the, the chemistry to be more efficient. They're like still working on that. So it's not like this is like a dead end technology though. It's going to be replaced with something else. If yeah. You, Keep refining it. So it's, yeah, I don't, I, I think the reason that you, Brittany, you were saying like, it's interesting. It didn't happen sooner. I, I want to say I have, I should, I, I'm pretty sure this is true that Morales's, uh, campaign promise for his fourth term was starting to industrialize and put in, instead of selling raw lithium 
to be manu- uh, uh, refined and turned into batteries elsewhere, that they were going to start going up the product chain in Bolivia. Yeah. Yeah. So what they were also meant to favor Chinese interests in in the in their bid to um to nationalize the lithium mines. Yeah, which which, I understand. Which totally makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Of course, does. There, there was some type of um guy in Germany that uh had a uh, connection to uh, the Gigafactory that Tesla was planning on putting there. Uh, Ah, here it is. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> do, do, do you know the details? No, I don't. I, I'd like no. to I look it up, but I was reading about it, and apparently it was that somebody who is in the process of either legitimizing or, like, was behind the coup in some way um, what is connected to a deal that went through in Germany for a gigafactory for Tesla vehicles and that the lithium... Oh, I think it was, like, the lithium mine owner or something th- th- that was... So it was it was a tweet and it says, let's look at the timeline. Eight days ago, Bolivia canceled agreement with a German mining company for lithium reserves. This German company was a supplier for Tesla as their batteries are lithium based. A coup happens. And then today, uh, a German gigafactory announcement. Right. So I don't know. That might not be a strong uh, link of evidence, but yeah. Uh, speaking of Germany and its connection to Bolivia, one of these far right paramilitary groups that um, has been associated with the coup actually has roots in uh, Croatian Nazi collaborators who fled to Bolivia after at the end of World War Two. What? Yeah. 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 Really? Which, which really just like makes sense. I mean, like, was it the, the new president comes in and. Puts a, Christ- a gigantic Christian Bible, like, in the office. and Cause She said um, that indigenous gods were satanic. Yeah. And that they were going to rid- And she said that for a long time. She, yeah. This isn't, like, a new talking point. Like, she said this like, for a very long time. Was she campaigning on that? Like, you know, like, exercising the, the, the demonic uh, false god worship of the indigenous people from Yeah, I mean, she's Bolivia. an evangelical Christian. So, yeah, absolutely. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it's uh, really not, not being... Subtle. Yeah. I don't, you know, like, just like, I don't know, the near attendants of the world, like, I don't know. I, I, have a, I don't go out and look for how they square this, but like, how do you? I don't, I guess Are without people just saying ignoring that this is, you know, stuff. not a coup. It, like, I, yeah, yeah, all over the place. Oh, oh all over yeah. the place. Every single presidential candidate except for Bernie Sanders. Yep. Is either silent on Big it. Big Dick Bernie coming yeah. out here saying this, this is a coup. It is unacceptable. Well, yeah. I mean... He's the only one, though. It would yeah. be interesting for people to grapple with this on the debate stage. I'd like to, 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 to hear even Bernie's take on it, because part of, like, the Green New Deal, like, criticism that comes often from, like, you know, the left that is internationalist or whatever is, like, how do you, in the current framework that we have, secure a reasonable, like, rights uh, agreement with... A developing renewable industry of which needs to extract like its raw materials from like a a country that is a lot more impoverished and doesn't have the military and doesn't have like as a strong of a, uh, a social democratic uh, you know uh, constitution for their government. Like how do you how do you make that work in a way that's like not really imperialistic and, and fucked up? Yeah, the the far right um, has uh, been working with the uh, army to apparently like terrorize a lot of people in the streets. I saw some video that was like a bunch of you know like a basically a militia um, just talking about how they're going to slaughter the the leftist resistance and brandishing their you know like private firearms. 
Like yeah, people the, have already been seized and yeah, yeah. And are disappearing. Yeah, yeah and, and the cops are like t- uh, tearing off their their badges or their their uh, uh, the indigenous yeah flag the indigenous patch. flag but with yeah. flag off of their their badges and, and you'll notice and sometimes they're replacing them with American flags. I've seen that <gasps> with the blue stripe. <laughs> yes, yeah, line, right, yeah. yeah yeah that's the only that's the only flag that's real anymore okay? is the punisher logo yeah yeah, yeah the monster yeah. uh energy drink slash punisher logo slash blue lives matter flag i i, I saw that the other day <laughs> online and i also uh saw a disney i saw the disney one yeah <laughs> oh man that was bad yeah, yeah. <laughs> cursed images <laughs> yeah that's a cursed cursed image uh, yeah Next, there's got to be like the like the family decal. How could you do like the thin blue line with the family, the different family decals? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the the uh, like like an all uh, blue lives matter like stick figure fi- family, you know, flag. Yeah. <laughs> what yeah. what it is is like it's the dad that looks fo- like he's got like really wide shoulders and like hands on hips and uh and looks and then all the other ones are beaten up. Ooh. Ooh. Only forty percent. Only forty percent. Uh, only forty percent. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah Not good. I, Not good. Was happening in Bolivia? No, no. Uh, I don't I condemn it. it. I, I repudiate it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. I'm. I'm not for that. It's interesting to point out the difference in relative success between Maduro and uh, Evo Morales, though, because uh, like Evo Morales apparently was like doing really well and like the country was Turn actually, the country around yeah. yeah like the gdp was going up and the poverty le- uh level was massively decreasing it was like cut in half yeah yeah and that there was like actual good traction and momentum in a way that benefited the majority of the people um and th- at least that's what i'm told i mean I'm, yeah no, I'm no, that's, I'm no that's everything in, everything i've seen too yeah whereas uh, in venezuela you know like they had similar goals but they relied so much on oil export without developing like a a full economy within the country that once the price of gasoline fell they couldn't import all the stuff that that with petrodollars like they used to and that's Mm. why and inflation went nuts and that's why venezuela's in the and he's gotten inflation down to like 1.5 percent or something like really low much lower than it was yeah yeah it's you know all while the united states is doing everything in its power to they still recognize that dipshit Juan Guaido is like their as yeah. the legitimate so head of state, even though like he has like no chance now. Like there's no support for him. Imagine for a second that you know uh, Bernie Sanders becomes president, right? And he has some anti-imperialist agenda. Do it. Like, oh, I imagine yeah, a lot. I do right? it every day. Right? Like, I have my my twelve by twelve foot vision board. <laughs> uh, what what could a popular movement in support of the reforms that Bernie is championing? on the scale of say millions of people or whatever, um, as envisioned by his campaign to, you know, trying to enact his vision of change. What could that group of people do to subvert the effectiveness of the CIA in overthrowing, you know, uh, like socialist countries and, um, you know, like, yeah, like, I don't know, man, that's a hard question. Yeah. Like, Like I can see the idea of like passing legislation, but so much of like what goes on in the terms of like state power in this country is completely outside of policy, uh, officially stated, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, it seems like part of it is where if you have a organizer in chief, you know, like in the office, I guess he can like tell us things i don't know because then it just sort of sounds like 
like Space Force versus NASA, where like you ask Do- you know, like Donald Trump supporters, like, why do we need Space Force when we have NASA? And like, well, so we can like learn stuff about space that the government isn't telling us. You know, right? <laughs> like, like, like they say weird <laughs> shit like that. And it's like, but I guess that's what I'm saying when I'm like, well, when Bernie Sanders isn't president, is president, the State Department will tell us the truth, which is like not true. Yeah. But, right. You're like, of course it's not, of course that's not going to happen. But yeah. I, so like, I don't know what the, the answer to that is. You know, like, I, the, I guess if you try to think like, strategically like the republicans do uh where they like undermine core institutions that uh support their en- their political enemies you know i guess like you know like, get rid of getting rid of like the um uh, what is it, the oas uh, yeah the oas yeah you know like i you could try to you know go after the oas's funding you could change who's in there uh yeah i mean i almost wonder if you would need a, a new governing bot like who watches the watchers like you'd almost need a governing apparatus that like almost kind of like a law enforcement mm. um body that can monitor the activities of the cia like an international and, police like an interpol <laughs> <laughs> i mean uh, you know i i kind of like hate to say it that way but i don't know how else you rein in like that kind of the cia is just incredibly powerful i don't know yeah. what yeah, they have can their... be done in the uh, existing structures of government that can keep it in check in any way broke dismantle ice woke dismantle the cia <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we already got bernie to say you know get rid of ice now we have to push him further to get, get rid, rid of, of the, the CIA. cia yeah i mean a lot of people say that that's the reason why um they killed jfk yeah. Um, yeah. And they being likely the CIA or, or some contingent, um, you know, uh, associated uh, with, with what we understand as the CIA. Can we get hipsters in Brooklyn who have aspirations for the professional managerial class to uh, have nostalgia for the OSS? They're just like, I just want the Office of Strategic <laughs> Services back. The CIA, they sold out. Yeah. Like, what I really want is a retro OSS. That's, you know, that's really where a lot of good work got done. <laughs> Wasn't the, um, the guy behind Bear Stearns, um, the, the father of our current attorney general, uh, who's Barr? Her, yeah, William Barr. He, I, wasn't his dad a ex-OSS yeah. and like yeah. started uh, Jeffrey Epstein on yeah. his path? Like, yeah, he's got, the one that got, him that got him the, the job at that school. Well, no, he went, he went from the Waldorf school to oh, okay. working Is for Bear Stearns. Right. So he right. went yeah, from yeah, like yeah, yeah. being a high school math teacher with the help of an ex-OSS right, member right, right, who right. happens to be the father of William Barr, current attorney general. Yeah, It's almost like these elites... I'm starting to think they're not very good people. <laughs> yeah. I'm starting to think like they do some some shady shit. I think they're really only looking out for themselves and each other. Yeah, you know, like they have this like solidarity across. <laughs> like I don't know, they're all white men, so it's just like you know, you know, kill all men, kill all men. You know, like, right? like, <laughs> you when you it's very like tri- triangulate here, right, between Bolivia, Venezuela, and Brazil, and just see like who like. It is a little confusing to me, actually, that Bolsonaro has not gotten the same sort of treatment that Guaido and this new far-right government in Bolivia is getting. I'm trying to really square that. Like, the why... same treatment? What do you mean by treatment? Like, like, like um, uh, that, that, that they're somehow acceptable or, uh, and, or like part of democracy. Well, Bolsonaro was elected. Yeah, I mean, but so was so was Evo Morales. Like, 
Yeah, yeah but, but that's different yeah. because Morales was already a violation of the democratic process for bullshit reasons that, uh, yeah, mis- but yeah, I, I guess like, yeah, I guess maybe at the election, but yeah, I don't know. It, um, I, I, I guess it would, I just think then it would just be easier to, for, you know, Western media to say, you know, that like he's just a duly elected leader and he's got some some fringe views but you know like how because the, they don't the, believe he was duly elected because of the so do you under like do you know I why don't, people said no, the no, election? yeah could you give the so cr- there critique two, as far as people uh say it isn't a coup what yes, they're saying yeah so um well the first is that he shouldn't have gotten another term but that went through their court system right. and he was granted uh another to, to be able to run again okay so but that the was night, yeah so when they're uh, the night that they were tallying the votes, there are two types of vote counts. There's the quick count, which is basically, you know, not unlike it's, it's essentially very similar to what we do. Like it's not the final count. It's just so that people can kind of, it's the spectacle of it. People can watch results come in. Yeah. yeah. Um, during the quick count, the, uh, the count like went down for a while. Oh, and when they came back up, or like it was, it was like the 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 tel- like the the broadcasting of the results coming in went down for a while, and when it came back up, he had won. He yeah, he had won. Yeah, but there is a second vote, which is basically exactly like we do in our elections, where they count every pool. single ballot yeah. and all the hanging know, chads. Yeah, all the hanging chads. Yeah, <laughs> all that shit. Um. So, but because this quick vote thing, that's what a lot of people are getting hung up on that he basically stole the election. Even though Morales, I believe Morales like won the 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 actual vote. Yes, he did. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that is correct. But right. people are saying that that little break, that little break during the count, was him somehow rigging the election. Yeah. No. What what I'm saying is that like why like like I get that and I understand like the media that uh, framing that turns that into a fraud election. That's what the OAS latches onto and says that it's not a good election. What I don't understand is why. Uh, any like uh, why Bolsonaro in our media is seen as a Trump figure, and Guaido and uh, the new leaders in in Bolivia are not seen as Trump figures. Like, why are they not part of this like hmm. hand wringing about hmm. uh, strong men taking power in government? You know what I mean, like. Well, Guaido still isn't in power, for one thing, right? Right. So, he's he's seen as a, a failure to launch wannabe dictator. Yeah. And that the fact that it didn't work, I think, keeps people from really making that association. I, I don't even know the name of the person that deposed um, uh, uh, Morales. Uh, her name is... Wow, don't remember the lady dictator's name. <laughs> I don't care about women is why. <laughs> Janine. Janine. Janine Inez. Yeah. Uh, she has previously tweeted, I dream of a Bolivia free of satanic indigenous rituals. The city is not for Indians. They should go to the highlands or the swamps. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Normal. Yeah. yeah. So this is like just an incredibly like bald-faced, racist military takeover of the government and the fact that there can be any American con like commentators um, doing anything other than a- denouncing it is astonishing yeah. to me. Yeah. What? And then the, the leader of the, of the military, uh, Camacho, uh, Camacho, like <laughs> Camacho. Yeah. Yeah. Camacho, like Camacho. president Camacho. Yeah. Like as, from, as in, uh, 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 idiocracy. Yeah. 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 yeah Camacho. 
um, uh, Fernando Camacho said, uh, Bolivia belongs to Christ. And he, and he also, he's vowed to purge the country of its indigenous leader, Evo Morales, and return God to the burned palace. Whatever the fuck that means. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And there's like a lot of like sort of centrist, like lib, you know, regarding self-regarding people that are defending this. Yeah. Yeah, I basically yeah. stop watching like, you know, commentators that aren't, I don't know, Amy Goodman and a couple other people. Yeah. So I, I'm not seeing a lot of the campaign uh, that is saying, like, my whole timeline is just, you know, it's the same kind of thing as the Epstein thing. Man, yeah. I'm really in a bubble. Yeah, yeah but, but what, I, I guess what, <laughs> what I'm still hung up on is that like, uh, is like the most simple way I can put it is that it, I think it's weird that Bolsonaro, even though we you don't have the the narrative well actually really you do right so like he jailed his political opponents and then came to power and like and in the media well, narrative yeah, the, the par- mainstream the party that put him in power jailed yeah, uh, his Lula, opponents Lula, yeah 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 and, and the whole car wash uh you know um, yeah and deposed the president depo- uh, yeah. bef- before putting her in jail as well right yeah yeah and then the whole you know the whole uh, car wash scandal cleanup thing that actually ended up being its own scandal right like all of those things right that we seem to like mainstream media coverage of brazil and bolsonaro actually seems closer to the truth than what is going on in venezuela and bolivia and i don't know why like i don't know why people are easier like can more clear-eyed see brazil and that bolsonaro stole that election and is a uh, a far right mm. maybe this guy bag. isn't behind it <laughs> right. maybe yeah maybe like that one was just a natural grown one we're just like rolling with it i don't know like i the, does that make I, sense like i don't i can't i can't account for why yeah i feel like that, that happens i feel like that's got to be it i feel like the, the 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 mainstream media and all of the people that are entrusted with keeping the dominant narrative you know good and pure and in the interests of the global ruling class um, get on the same bandwagon when it comes to things that are like secret American interests, you know, enacting them. Um, like, you know, think about the Iraq war. Like, why wasn't there, there was like a liberal consensus uh, in support of the Iraq war with the exception of like a couple quote unquote left wing, like leftist, you know, people who were, uh, you know, in, in news media that was saying like, there's no strong causal link between, you know, uh, Iraq and 9-11, there's no, you know. Well, no, there was also like the largest uh, mobilizations of anti-war demonstrations yeah, like, to date, like ever, was against the Iraq war. And we still had people, uh, like the whole media landscape yeah. was just gung-ho for it. Yeah, so I, I don't know. Sometimes I, I, I'm just surprised by how uh, mainstream media will sometimes get it kind of right. Well, you know, like the analysis is bullshit, but they're, they recognize that Bolsonaro is terrifying but Inez and uh guaido are not seen as that i mean you can just go the classic like in noam chomsky's uh manufacturing consent he gives all of these examples of news stories that were covered it like dishonestly and when you go down the rabbit hole of who holds like commercial ownership over a lot of media industries it's you can find the financial entanglements that end up benefiting them depending on how that story gets reported. Mm. And so whether or not like a, a, an art, like a military conflict gets popular support 
uh, to be carried forward by the government, you know, people, it lines people's pockets basically. Yeah. Um, that's it. So I, I think, and the way Chomsky does it, the way he lays it out for you, it makes it very clear that like those connections are not obvious to any of us. So I guess my point being that there is probably a good reason related to moneyed interest that would not be that like we wouldn't even be capable of knowing about because so much of this happens in the shadows. Right. So there, so somebody is, you know, that's, it sounds very conspiratorial, but it, it also seems like the only logical explanation for why these different stories that are often share a lot of important similarities just get reported on entirely different ways. Mm. What do you think it's like to be Edward Herman, who's like the first author? I know. I feel bad. Consent, I just never and no one remembers name. Edward Herman. <laughs> I know. It's, it's just, As I was saying, Chomsky gets all the credit. It's I feel just, really attacked right now, yeah. actually. <laughs> um, and I don't appreciate that. Yeah, it's Herman and Chomsky wrote Manufacturing. Yes, that is correct. I am a terrible media studies student. uh, He died like two years ago or something. Edward Herman. Yeah. Yeah. That's sad. R.I.P. R.I.P. to to a legend. Yeah. Mm. Speaking of the disastrous Iraq war and uh, corrupt military um, (laughs) bodies, this actually does like fit in very nicely. with. Yeah. Is everything um, normal and cool and professional going on in our American military? Yeah. We, it's all very, there's a lot of, um, smooth running valor and, uh, honor and bravery. So Navy SEALs were warned against reporting their chief for war crimes. This is in the, this is like some older reporting that's in the New York times, but I came across it today. Um, how old the it's, uh, April 23rd. Oh, so, so like and I haven't, ago. I yeah. haven't found, I know, right? So, so about 8,000 news cycles ago. Right. Um, and I haven't found an update uh, anywhere. If I do find one, I'll put it in the show notes. But essentially this Navy SEAL uh, platoon chief uh, committed shocking acts in Iraq. These included uh, stabbing a defenseless teenage captive to death, uh, picking off a school-aged girl and an old man with a sniper rifle. And um, indiscriminately spraying neighborhoods with rockets and machine gun fire. Jesus. And so people like under his command saw him committing these war crimes and tried to report him to higher ups. And they were essentially told, like, cut that shit out. This is a high ranking Navy SEAL? Yeah. He was a platoon chief. Um, a very like decorated, like people, a lot of the people who served under him said, you know, it was so, it was so like heartbreaking because a lot of these guys were really excited to be serving under somebody who was so legendary and seemingly so honorable. And then they see him committing these like vicious, violent acts on Iraqi civilians and also putting men under his command in unnecessary danger, uh, in many instances. So he's been arrested, um, and so obviously this would have been a little bit back and I don't, I don't have any updates on it right now, but um, like his GoFundMe for his defense, uh, for his defense team was like upwards of $300,000. Obviously just like all the thin blue line fucking bootlickers wow. are lining up in the streets to wow. support this guy. Yeah. Even though this guy has been ratted out by other blue lives, you know, gung ho, like troop guys, like they, they're not getting behind the troop guys that are blowing the whistle on and, and defending the honor and valor and everything else. Like, this is so weird. Like, how do these people uh, maintain this, this line of thinking? 
So here is something that comes from the text messages that Gallagher, Chief Gallagher, the guy who's been arrested, sent to a fellow chief. I just got word these guys went crying to the wrong person. The only thing we can do as good team guys is pass the word on these traitors. They're not brothers at all. So essentially these these uh, Marines were threatened with like basically that their military careers would be over if they continued to try to, you know, tattle on their on their chief. And so it's the same, you know, fucking thin blue line shit that you get with cops where it's like you don't rat out your own. Um, we have the purview to basically do whatever we want, no matter how heinous, no matter how much it uh, violates like codes of conduct. It doesn't fucking matter. One, it's almost like people thought that maybe this guy paid his dues. And so now he was entitled to spend all his days in a sniper's roost, like picking off little girls. Um, Well, because like what they value and what they're, what that $300,000 is going toward is not the preservation and upholding of an individual, right? It is upholding an idea that is that, you know, some people should be allowed to, uh, and by some people, I mean, you know, it's like, it's white supremacy, right? Like, yeah, like absolutely. some people should be held up to uh, be completely unaccountable, especially when they're meting out violence to brown and black people, right? Like that, that's yeah. ultimately, like, maybe you don't say that to yourself in your head as you're donating, you know, the money that you were going to spend on another, well, uh, uh, another Punisher logo hoodie, you know, instead you <laughs> give the money to that guy, right? You know, and, well, yeah. and, like, and so, like, you're not saying that to yourself, but ultimately what you're doing is, is like what you feel uh, an allegiance to is an institution of, of, of power, not necessarily, and you, but you articulate it as caring for a class of people. But really what you care about is the institution of empire and, I, and internal I, violence. Yeah. And I wonder how many of those people that donated are ex-military themselves or just people who would never, ever have jo- so- signed up to put themselves in danger. Like, I think about, like, how could it be that, like, w- what percentage of the military do you think sees the activity of this platoon leader um, as like re- reprehensible and evil. Like I gotta, gotta believe it's like a high fraction, like that would see this type of thing as, as disreputable, dishonorable and not want to be associated with it. And I bet they well, clear- don't have the cash available to, uh, uh, donate to a defense. They're probably, uh, sick and dying and poor, and waiting in line at the VA. Either that or still in the military. You know, or, yeah, like, yeah. You know, in, in, in therefore, in harm's way, if they, you know, this, this is chilling as, like, you know, like a workers' rights thing to the degree that, like, military people... Well, yeah, there are, is a, there's a huge you know, class division yeah. in the military. Yeah. And so, I would imagine that... They need you know, it. They need a union. Yeah, right. yeah. They do. They do. <laughs> well, it's like the, there's the, been an op- there's been efforts to unionize rank and file military soldiers before. I think we actually covered that a little bit with Sean when he was on. Mm. But yeah, like that that's been tried a couple times, and it's very clear that one that would deeply undermine American hegemony, right? Because mo- most rank and file rec- are the best to understand how stupid our wars of empire are, and they know it. But if you ever organize them, you know, that, that would that would just destroy so many ventures in, in the Middle East and probably South America. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there's something about the, the fact that, like, you know, the United States military and the police departments of the United States are, like, 
structurally there to be the executive arm, like the, the, the physical arm of enforcing a imperial rule of like a global class war. And at the same time, it's like these people are also people and their like conditions of working suck. And like when they ever do the, you know, to their conscience, like the right thing, it like puts them in incredible danger. And yeah. it's like, it's like when, you know, Centenni, for example, like, you know, we were joking about wanting to buy him a donut. It's like, it, it, I, I, whenever these stories come up, it's hard for me not to put myself into the shoes of like, what if I was suddenly in the military and just like, didn't really have a worldview that conflicted with that. But when I saw, you know, my platoon commander or whatever, like rocketing a, a neighborhood, I was just like horrified and felt the need to do the right thing. And it's like, holy shit. Yeah, yeah, like you become Chelsea Manning, and yeah, and you just get keep getting thrown in prison. It's so there it's so a, scary. Like you have to be so brave. Like we, do, we joke about braver than the troops. Like imagine being a troop and being braver than the troops enough to like you know try and do something to rat about, on the troops. Yeah, to <laughs> something who you, you know your platoon officer who you just saw like executing children, and you're like, yeah, I'm gonna snitch on that guy. Yeah, yeah, like, for real. Holy hell like there the, was a, the, the bravery must have been an npr story a few years back about this nypd officer who tried to report their higher up to internal affairs for a for a quota system i think it was what it was um and they like the retaliation against him they kidnapped him and like kept him in a hotel room where they were drugging him and they called the police saying he was having like a psychotic break. Yeah. They tried to ins uh, institutionalize him. Yeah. I mean, that's, I, I remember because the, the radio program, they were interviewing him and he sounded so like broken and, you know, cause he was somebody who really yeah. believed in the institution and, and yeah, it's pretty wild. Because it takes away part of your identity. Like, you know, for all yeah. the jokes about it, you know, it's like it, it not only are you, you know, out of a job and like you have no references to get a new job, but also like if you saw yourself first and foremost as a cop or a troop or whatever, like to have that taken away, it's like, you know, you lose the entire part of yourself, I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, and you make very fast enemies of very powerful people who yeah. know exactly where you are and how to, you know, get leverage on you. And it's pretty wild. Like Adrian Schoolcraft was the guy's name. Oh, yeah. And we're going to link to this in the show notes. Um, it's called um, The Right to Remain Silent. Uh, and uh, or uh, is that a tape recorder in your pocket or are you just unhappy to see me? And it's that's, that's a killer title. And it's about this police officer. Yeah. That um, like it, it's harrowing. And when you listen to the actual tape, um, like uh, of people, you know, talking about locking him up in a mental institution. It's for, chilling. And they, you know, they're like, oh yeah, so you see, you know, a couple of buddies like hanging out on the stoop, smoking some weed. You're not, or, you know, hang, just hanging out. You're not going to go over there and like s say you smell something. You're not going to shake them down, blah, blah, blah. And it, it was like a explicitly racialized um, uh, arrest and prosecution quota uh, that the NYPD was enforcing like very blatantly. Like to the point yeah. where just having a pen recorder in his pocket, he was picking it up like dozens of times, yeah. like, you know, a day. Yeah. And then there was another thing, and we might want to link this as well, um, where I think it was like 12 NYPD officers came out at once. And it was like on ABC News or something. I remember that, yeah. Yeah. And they all sat, you know, in sort of like bleacher arrangements. So you could like see them all and they would talk about their their stories and what they've witnessed. 
Um, so yeah, incredibly brave people. Yeah, we always uh, people use that uh, bad apples argument about cops, but I guess they forget the second part of the saying, which is that bad apples spoil the whole bunch. So yeah. they're all spoiled. <laughs> the yeah. institution is spoiled. And 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 it like who knows maybe there will be some miraculously um, good apple that then somehow reverses the rot process in all of the other apples around it and turns them from being rotten spoiled apples into perfectly good apples that we can eat again. That sounds likely to happen. Yeah. So the um, one thing I wanted to bring up or go back to when we were talking about uh, how we could think of service members as uh, workers, you know, like thinking of of enlisted people as workers also does something really interesting for your analysis of drone warfare. Mm. Right. So if you think of drones as, as automating the workplace of the battlefield, mm-hmm. right. Then you really start to, I think more accurately assess what drones are for. Right. So one, they make it impossible or they, they make it possible actually that uh, officers and civilian leadership can take direct actions that will never be mutinied against, right? Mm, yeah. Right? Okay. So he's like the drone is just gonna do the thing. Yeah, but you know, so like, like human... there's someone driving it. Yeah. But but they but even they now have this like detachment from you know, like they're not like shoot like have a gun at someone's head, right? Yeah. They... And it requires just less people, which is uh, always redounds to the benefit of management, right? That yeah. if you mechanize more of it, you have less people that can uh uh disagree with you. But then you also have the situation where robots don't tell war stories. So we completely lose all of these um, opportunities for people to come back after war and say how it's hell yeah. and that we well, shouldn't do it. I think I, that is the thing that actually scares me the most about drones. If, if everything works the way it's supposed to, right? And, you, and like drones only, let's, let's say the best case scenario, drones only kill the people that should be killed, whatever that means. And... Uh, no uh, American service members ever die in the line of fire. And it, all of that happens, right? Like the best thing that you can hope for with drones actually happens. What that leaves you with is the fact that we can always go to war and have a very, very few amount of people say like how destructive and disgusting war actually is. So you don't have those like peace movements that usually come after uh, major armed conflicts, you know, which happened after Vietnam and it happened after World War II. World War One And World War One. you had all of these uh, people coming back saying war is hell yeah. and, and you have these really, really strong peace movements and you won't have that if you, if at the very worst you have people, uh, you know, like killing people over, over a television screen or something. Yeah. I, I, I think that sort of automation of soldiering is, uh, if you think of drones as automated soldiering, I think it, it, it actually shows uh, well, more of the the perverse incentives going on it's much more accurate uh, uh analysis i would say that the um the the drones uh as automation is a little maybe not exactly what i would ag- agree with but i think you're right about the distance because like the proximity to um like lethal combat it has a lot to do with the trauma and the uh, effect it has on you like if you're up close and personal and can smell and feel the blood as you kill somebody with a knife that's a very extreme kind of thing versus you know being um it, you know sitting in a station in you know new mexico operating a drone by wire you know in Kabul and like killing somebody from even as far as the drone's concerned like 
tens of thousands of feet. That distancing, I think, has, like you're saying, like a much lesser effect to everybody involved, even the people who are like taking care of the drone. Because now you actually have a bunch of workers, right? Because you have to support this whole uh, thing. And you still have the soldier issuing the kill button like yeah no, i mean like somebody, uh, drone operators yeah. do report like severe depression yeah. and a lot of really bad stuff yeah but, but i i think like but you just you just and you do have a lot of people running the drones and mm-hmm, maintaining them mm-hmm. but you don't have the widespread like millions of people coming back from the front line sort of thing oh like, yeah you just don't have that that's very and, true yeah and that's i think that's a part of the point yeah i think of 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 robots and i think you're right that the um the drones are putting war ever more at a distance from what the public sees as something that they should be worrying about you can also control the information from the battleground right so like instead of you know if, if you have even a dozen like, uh, you know, even if it's just an elite force, right, of just like a dozen special forces or whatever doing something, you have to control those 12 people from what they say when they come back. Mm-hmm. But a, a, a drone doesn't tell war stories. Yeah. Right. And so if you can uh, capture more of the evidence and, you know, what you saw in machines, then you then you have much better control over the messaging. Well, of, I think that's of, why they brought war. the hammer down so hard on Chelsea Manning. Yeah. Because yeah. she released, like, direct video evidence of war crimes. Yeah. Like, that's just, you know, yeah. the most dangerous kind of information. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of the automation and uh, surveillance and uh, fly-by-wire systems that would keep, you know, regular soldiers from seeing this actually ended up being able to be by one person spread all of those stories of all of those sensors, all of those, you know, camera That's systems uh, by one person was then shared to everybody. So it, it's an interesting thing, but, it, but I think, I think you're right that, that the technology itself, the, the, the weapon system of the drones and, you know, surveillance of like, you know, um, the metadata of like various cells of people and stuff, it really abstracts the, the war such that it seems totally outside of the public sphere of influence. Like I, you know, I talk about the war war a lot because I think it's horrifying that we're in a permanent war with the concept of political violence by non-state actors. Like that's insane. You can't bomb that concept into surrender. You're talking about the terrorists. Yeah. The war on terror is insane because it can never end. Like terror can't admit defeat. Can't it can't meet on a boat and exchange a sword <laughs> right, with, yeah. you know, with some admiral? Like you know, like there's the and so it's a scary thing. But it, it the technology and the weapon system definitely allows it to be easily more easily ignored and abstracted. Yeah, because now it's like this program. And as we get into more and more autonomous uh, weapon systems, which eventually will be you know deployed. I don't think to this date there's any completely autonomous weapon system that has killed anyone on I any think battlefield. Is- Israel has some semi-autonomous stuff yeah. that I think, you know, because there are laws that prevent semi-autonomous or completely autonomous, like weapon systems, yeah. like the UN has already said bad idea yeah. and they have something about, but you know, the usual actors that don't pay attention to those things like Israel, um, I think have already used stuff like that. I think there's a movie that's a horror movie about like an F-35 variant that's like fully autonomous and it like goes rogue and like starts killing people. Uh, I think that should be hard to I deal think, with though. You just I make it go upside self. down and it falls apart and dies. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think it's uh, called stealth.
So I, when we took a break, I decided instead of being a lazy asshole, I would look up for an update uh, on this guy. So Edward Gallagher. Uh, so the article I was reading from was in April. So in July of this year, uh, Gallagher finally faced his court martial and he was acquitted on almost all charges. The only charge that, so the, all of the charges against him, uh, premeditated murder. He was, he was charged with a possessing illegal steroids so of course this motherfucker's roided out sitting in a in a sniper's roost like picking off children we're fucking monster but uh all of the charges against him including like the the you know war crimes he committed against civilians in iraq he was acquitted on the only one he was found guilty on was posing for a photo with a corpse which was considered to be the least egregious of his crimes he was sentenced to four months, but got time served for the time that he was held during his before his court martial. He was sentenced to demotion to petty officer first class, but uh, that demotion was countermanded by President Trump. So basically, he was court martialed and nothing bad happened to him. Cool. So that's, cool. that's a cool update for you yeah. guys on that story. So just remember Whoa. that every time someone says, you know, like, oh, I don't know, you know, Chelsea Manning, you know, like she should have gone through the system. She put everybody at risk. She put people at risk. Yeah. You know, it's like one, she, she did also go through the system and no one would listen to her. But also no one ever listens to anybody going through those systems because they're designed to fail. So, yeah. So she was punished, I would say, about 500 times more severely, a thousand times more severely than this Marine chief was um, for leaking documents when he murdered children. Now, w was there any um, unfortunate things that happened to the people who blew the whistle? Or are they just, you know, like still in good standing with the military? Or were they, you know, I don't know. Out? It doesn't go into that, actually. Um, yeah. I don't know. Terrified. I mean, I'm sure their careers yeah. were just like totally sidelined because once you get a reputation for being a snitch, like you don't get to go anywhere now. You don't yeah. get to move up the ranks. It's yeah. called like the thin khaki line or something. Do they have a different word for that? <laughs> the thin camo line. Yeah, thin camo line. Where's the line? I can't see it. The thin ah, it's olive. invisible. <laughs> <laughs> it's so thin. <laughs> it's so thin and it's camo. I'm not, how the hell am I supposed to find this line? <laughs> oh, that's 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 dark. Anyway. Yeah, I, man. What we went through that whole story without, with resisting the entire time, making a joke about uh, a mallet and smashing stuff into pieces. What? Oh, Gallagher. Gallagher. <laughs> Gall oh remember remember the the comedian that would like smash watermelons yeah. with a mallet? No. Really? We really he, he's comedian a yeah comedian. He was in the seventies or eighties, yeah. and he well, would, of course, where, I don't remember that. I was born yeah, in nineteen eighty eight. Yeah, yeah, he was this classic comedian, and he would uh, wear like suspenders and just be really geeky and tell really really corny jokes. But he his he knew his comedy wasn't that funny, and so he was a prop comic that completely unrelated to his comedy. He would just have a table uh, with. And he'd take out big like watermelons and fruits and smash them with a big wooden mallet. And it was like, that was like the punchline. Yeah, that was, was the like, whole thing. <laughs> like, and so people in the front of the audience would wear like uh, rain uh, ponchos, like, ponchos yeah. and stuff. Yeah, because like, yeah. yeah, they knew they were just going to get completely sprayed with pulverized fruit. And yeah, that was that was his thing. Yeah. Truly really a golden era of culture for our, our so, species. Yeah, so this is why it's important for comedians to be able to say whatever they want on stage. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, it's about free speech because otherwise, you know, well, how would we know what's inside a watermelon? Yeah, you know? it's true. Yeah. 
<laughs> David, can you tell me something happy? Give I me, can. Give me some good yeah. news in this world. So progress is still possible, folks. You know, you, we can still make positive change in this world. Fuck yeah. So there is um, a little something. This ca- this is uh, from August. So again, it's a little it's a little old, but um, we never uh, promised to be a breaking yeah, news yeah, podcast. Yeah, but you know, at least here, <laughs> so here's the thing, right? So you listen to all your podcasts coming out of uh, Sodom, aka Brooklyn, right? <laughs> and they're just you know like they're living. Uh, they're not even living in the moment. They're living like a five seconds in the future. Uh, which means that anything that's like 10 minutes old, they don't want to talk about it anymore. And the, the end result of that is that every single podcast is talking about the same thing as it's happening. And that's boring. You know, like maybe you want to like extend your attention a little bit. You know, maybe you want to think about things that happened, you know, like three months ago and maybe you missed it. Or maybe August is your favorite month, you know, you know something like that. <laughs> it's a great sales pitch. Yeah, though. yeah, this is really great. Yeah, so here's We're going to take this to Cap- Casper Mattresses. Get yeah, us a... Yeah. Uh, get us a uh, like, do you later. have three-month-old mass- mattresses that you would like us to, to sell? <laughs> Give you expired... <laughs> we, we could uh, hand out expired coupon codes. <laughs> okay, so um, this uh, article is in Gizmodo. Scientists have created a vaccine for cat allergies, but you can't have it yet. So the the um, the product is supposed to be out in 2022, most likely, if oh, everything geez. goes right. Give me the goodie. But it's a, a Swiss-made... Uh, or a Swiss-based company called Hypocat that makes a vaccine that you inject into your cat that creates antibodies for the dander allergen that affects humans. What? Yeah. So, so you can make genetic, hypoallergenic cats. Is it a type of like CRISPR genetic, you know, treatment? No, it, like no it's a treatment. No, they, they take a modified virus that I don't think is modified through CRISPR or anything like that. And they just, um, they, it, it makes the, cat's body fight the proteins that turn into allergens for humans what yeah that's dank that's but it only works against the dander allergy is that correct well so i i I both looked at the regular or the the actual journal article that is i can't quite pull up on my phone but i looked at earlier today and they're really just talking about a protein naturally uh, produced called fed d1 and that is the thing that causes the allergy. They're only talking about, they just say cat allergies. And so I'm assuming that's the dander one because I hate that. N- almost no one knows that you can actually be allergic to the saliva. So when I was seven years old, my mom adopted this adorable little tuxedo kitten. Aww. We named him Leo. And he was so sweet and he would take baths with me. He would jump into the bathtub and I Aww. would just be like cracking up laughing because he was like dog paddling around. <laughs> And one day, I came home from school, and I had this rash all over my leg. And my mom was like, what is that? And she took me to the doctor, and he told me that I had a severe allergy to cat saliva. Oh, wow. And we had to get rid of Leo. And I couldn't have a cat for, like, I think it wasn't until I was, like, 11 or 12 that I could get another cat because the allergy was gone. Because um, allergies can, like, come and go. Wow. But I live in fear of, of becoming allergic again. Becoming allergic again. Because now I have four cats. Like, what would I do if I got allergic to cats? I would just have to be covered in hives all the time. Yeah. Like, there's no... So, anyway. Wow. Uh, here we go. Um, antibodies taken from the cat's blood also seem to neutralize Fed D1 in 
the lab, while the cats themselves produce less FD1 in their saliva and tears. Ooh, dank. All right. And when these cat samples were mixed with blood taken from real human patients with a cat allergy, they caused less of an allergic reaction. This, this seems like intuitively like the wrong way to go about it. It's like when it's like cold in your house, like put on a sweater it, but instead, it's like, you know, you crank up the heat. That's like the equivalent of changing your cat's biology so that it is no longer creating a uh, allergy to you as opposed to changing your own allergy with some type of treatment. So I think that's much it, harder to do. Really? I think it's much, much easier to make something hypoallergenic than it is to treat that's amazing, the though. allergic reaction because it's really hard to treat like allergic reactions to animals. That's horrible. Um, and they're, they're all, they're, that, 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 that's the case. Yeah, like, because imagine how many people's lives could be made better with cat companions. Yeah. If, if, if only they could, you know, not be allergic. Yeah. And they're, they're looking at like what the side effects are in cats. And they, they say that it doesn't, there doesn't, don't appear to really be any because fed D1, this protein doesn't really seem to do anything. And cats that are either bred for or just naturally have low FD1 levels, like don't. And are those cats don't, already don't considered hypoallergenic? Like yeah, the ones there are that... hypoallergenic cats right, out yeah. there. Um, you know, like uh, Bengals and like cats that have more hair than fur. Mm-hmm. Like they don't have an yeah. undercoat. These are bred buddy... with cats that came from like, you know, more uh, equatorial regions. Mm-hmm. That uh, They're usually hypoallergenic. So, yeah, you know, uh, science uh, makes progress sometimes. So, for all, all you cat lovers out there who... Would love to have one, but you're allergic. Star-crossed cat just lovers. Hold, it's star-crossed cat lovers. Just hold on, man. Yeah. 2022. 2022 given how fast. Think about how the fact that 2016 was like last week. Think about that. It's going to be here before you know it. Before you know it, you're going to be able to get a hypoallergenic cat or two or four or however many you want. Yeah. A so, better world is possible. So if you find any strays, you can be like, hold on. Let me see if I can inject you. <laughs> Yeah, you just carry around take, a blowgun. Like, yeah, take you home. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the first dart makes it hypoallergenic. The second dart makes it fall asleep. So you can kidnap it and yeah. bring it into your home. That's pretty much how I got one of my cats. Which one? Uh, Marla. That's why she's so suspicious, I bet. Oh, yeah. She's a very suspicious cat. Yeah, she is. Um, yeah, it was a very cute uh, kitten that was meowing like crazy. Uh, from a bush when I was walking by home, walking home from Stewart's late one night. And I was like a fiend for taquitos at the time, you know, like the oh, El Monterey. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. So I had this uh, box of frozen taquitos with me and Marla was, you know, like this little tiny kitten, like howling and looking really hungry. And like, you know, I could see her ribs and like, Oof. she was like a stray. And so I reached into my box and broke off a piece of taquito and uh, I held it out, and she just, just gobbled. Yeah, it. she went nuts on this frozen taquito, just ate the whole thing. And then I was like, I'm going to get you some real food, and got like a little tin of tuna. And, you know, immediately this little cat's like jumping up on my shoulder and like like rubbing up on my head. And I'm just like, all right, yeah, we're going to be homies. And, uh, but it was a very afraid of the street. It would let, it would climb on me, like when I first met it. Um, but it didn't want to get anywhere near the street. So I went out with a laundry basket and I put the tin of tuna like into the basket and she jumped into the basket and then I covered the top of the basket with a, uh, a, a towel like a, Damn. And, and, and cinched it. And then I had caught the cat and I brought it into my apartment. Fucking bamboozled. Yeah. That's, that's brutal, dude. 
It, but you know we're homies now it's for her own good and uh almost immediately i lived on a second floor at the time and i had like an issue with the idea of having like an all, all only indoor cat especially when i found it as a stray and so i built a cat ladder that would go up to the little like balcony on my second floor like apartment that we used to like go out and like smoke on um and I built like, I took the, this like two by 16 that was like 20 feet long and I propped it up against the house and stacked, uh, three pallets on it with a little, uh, plywood like, uh, pads, um, you know, about two feet, uh, in height separated from each other, sort of, uh, diagonally down. And the cat was so smart. It figured out how to climb the, the, the platforms and jump platform to platform to get up to the second floor and climb in the window. So then I got a little window cat door. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so it could go as it pleased into the, uh, you know, well, neighborhood and yeah, explore. Cool. Um, and then one day it, it got stuck on the neighboring window Oops. or roof. Um, and there was like a window from our bathroom to the roof next door. Cause like the building I was in was taller than the roof, building next door. And I put out another like little plank of wood and Marla like climbed little plank into the window. And yeah, I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't uh, make a political statement at this point in the podcast that I personally do not support allowing your cats to go outdoors. Oh, yeah. And I have to I have to take a firm stance on this because, you know, I feel this is once again, Chris, it's just one of our major political differences (laughs) that we're going to have to overcome together. Yeah. but outdoor cats can have seriously devastating effects on local songbird populations. So true. if you are able to. Bell them? Uh, be- bells don't work. No? The songbirds no, and they're also really them. bad for cats, like emotional well being. Yeah, because yeah. you're just being, imagine if you were constantly followed by a bell. Yeah. Um, I, I build my they cats. Don't, they don't deter, they, the birds do not take bells as warnings. Turns out that's not a element of their natural environment that indicates danger. Ah. Uh, so, yeah. Well, I feel bad for the birds, but, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I, it is a thing we disagree on. Uh, and it might be that house cats and the amount of them we have in the United States because we love them so much and that we let a lot of them outside probably do have devastating effects, like on the, the bird populations. Um, I don't know if my cats do. They definitely eat other things like mice. See, that's good. Yeah. Like uh, my my cat Marla has finally started actually eating mice. She's like nine now, but she used to just kill them for fun, you know. Sure, yeah, and I could then do. like give them to me as gifts. But I kept pointing at it, and I kept like being like, "Eat it." <laughs> she's gonna get eat she, it. You know, she's gonna get worms if she's eating it. Oh yeah. Well. Oh yeah. You can get like oh, get really bad parasites. I should from take her to the vet more often. I, I I haven't checked her for worms, but she's been eating mice. She likes crunching them. Like, Good you for know. her. Yeah. Yeah, the little heads, it's like a gusher. Yeah. It's oh, pretty, Jesus. Pr- pretty gnarly. All uh, right, I w- so... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I once saw a fox eating a squirrel, and I was like, I took a picture of it, put it on Instagram. I was like, little cutie, munching on a little cutie. Jesus <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Circle of life. Yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this episode. Yes, please. Thank you very much. Um you can find us on Twitter. Ironweeds Pod. You can find us on Instagram. Ironweeds Pod. You can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash ironweeds. If you do, um, I'm currently editing 
our newest bonus episode. So it should be, I will be done with it on Monday. And if you would like to hear that content, we talk about uh, No Nut November and this um, college board scandal of selling uh, students with low scores to so that they can be dishonestly recruited by Ivy League institutions. A couple other things. You can check it out for as little as $3. I will send you this stuff. Um, and you can also rate and review us on iTunes or wherever else you can review it. And if you send us a screenshot, then you'll also get a little something extra. So for as little as five stars or 3.33 repeating hammies. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you can email us at ironweedspod at gmail.com. Yeah. Tell us things. Tell us things. What's Tell on your mind? what you like, what you don't like. About other things in the world, not about the podcast. Yeah. I don't... Yeah, just just make a list. I'm very sensitive to criticism. You like. Make a list of things you don't like. Send it to us. We're interested. Yeah. What's your favorite ice cream? I yeah. want to know. What's your least favorite ice cream? I want to know that too. Yeah. Have you guys ever heard of tuna ice cream? Oh, fuck. Oh, what? Jesus Christ. Oh. <laughs> Better than you'd think. Oh, all right. <laughs> I saw something about mustard ice cream. Like Heinz was making a mustard ice cream. I'm going to cop that. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye. Bye.